Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. With German Doner Kebab. Now 40 restaurants across the UK. Find out where at germandonerkebab.com. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Preview Show. Now, we've got ourselves another slightly disjointed set of games this weekend due to Manchester City taking on Aston Villa in the Carabao Cup Final. But never fear, there's still plenty to get through on the show. We're going to be looking at a potential seventh, or if you're feeling optimistic, top four playoff. That's between Everton and Manchester United. We're going to take a look at struggling West Ham at home to Southampton and seeing what a win could mean for either side in that one. After the break, we're going to go through the rest of the week Weekend's games and preview the first domestic final of the season and that's the Carabao Cup. Now, as always, I won't be doing all of this alone. My name's Fergal Brennan and I'm joined by a man armed, according to himself, with some cup final stats. That's Adam Keyworth. Adam, how are you? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Very good, very good. Uh, we've also got a man that I doubt will be armed with any Manchester City cup final stats. In fact, he probably won't be watching the final itself. That's Jay Motti from Full Time Devils. Jay? <laughs> how are we doing? No, I won't be watching it because no one cares about the Carabao Cup. Lies. <laughs> and we've also got a man who keeps his stats and maybe his Sunday afternoon plans to himself. Daily Mail Northern football reporter Jack Gorn. Jack, right. how are you? You alright? Very good. I'll be very at Wembley, good. to be fair. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. He's revealed, he's revealed his Sunday and afternoon you plans. See, you can see how excited I am already. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a bit there though. He's getting paid for it, Keith. He's not like looking like that. This is ridiculous. <laughs> With the Premier League first, and we're going to get to the final. Don't worry, Adam. We're going to we're going to dedicate a bit of time to that after the break. Uh, Everton, Manchester United, the glamour tie this weekend. Thank you. As I said, depending on whether you're a glass half full, glass half empty character, this could be a top seven Europa League playoff, or potentially, if something ridiculous happens in the next month or so, a top four playoff. If if the two of them come good, Jay, we're going to go with you first. When you look at this game, the season that the two sides are having, who's this the bigger game for? I'd say. It's probably a bigger game for Everton in the, in the respect that if they won this, they'd have an outside chance, and I mean a slim outside chance, of getting into the top four. Whereas if we beat them or they draw, then it's it's over, it's done, it's never gonna, it's not gonna happen this season. 
Um, but I think it's a good opportunity for United because we have got a little bit of momentum to decent results in the league I know Watford aren't the greatest team but we beat them convincingly we, we don't tend to do that against the so-called lesser teams and it was a big win away at Chelsea as well building on that through to the next round of the Europa okay it was 10 man Bruges but you can only beat what's in front of you and no one's going to sniff at a 5-0 win so there is a little bit of momentum and we haven't been able to do that this season we haven't been able to string a run of results together even when we've had really good results, you know, we beat Spurs and we beat City away and you think this is it and then we drew with Everton, funnily enough, at home. So I think a win away at Goodison would be a massive boost for, for United. But if we get a draw, it's not the end of the world. Um, we are only three points off the top four, which is weird because if you think about it, if we had those extra three points now, if we were in the top four, people would probably be looking at our season a little bit differently than what they are. It's only three points. Whereas if Everton don't get a win, I don't think they've got any chance um, of getting the top four. I mean, they're still in with the shout of the Europa, which is, is good for them because it's the best tournament to be in in Europe. It's an interesting one. When you look at Solskjaer's comment... <laughs> Do you have to laugh when I say that? You don't just let me have it for str- a second. I've struggled not to laugh at all the rest of it. <laughs> Solskjaer kind of went round your, your way of thinking, Jay, and that he got an asked the press conference uh, question about the defeat last season, the 4-0, that that was kind of held up as this, he isn't good enough to manage this club, but he, he rode the storm and he, and, he, and he survived. And he was asked about it during his press conference and he, he didn't really give a clear answer. He just said, I can say with my hand on heart, 100% that these boys will never give in and never give up like that team did. So he's, He's quite clear on that and, and this always brings me back to the statements that he made at the back end of last season the whole there's going to be certain players not here next season. Well it was that game wasn't it? That yeah. was the game that he said those comments um, I think that was a watershed moment for a lot of fans as well with certain players they're either not good enough or they're not up for it or both obviously there was question marks about Oli <laughs> at the time but I think most people realise that the thing with Oli is because he'd had such a good start as caretaker manager I think whatever it was 12 wins out of 14 or something similar people forgot how bad it was when he inherited it I mean he didn't get the job because things were going great he got the job because under Jose the football was pretty bad the players were dis- disinterested and disenchanted and um, and he came in and then we got this run everyone thought everything's oh we're, we're great everything's sorted and it wasn't there was a lot of work still to be done now whether he is the right man for the job long term remains to be seen but I think he, he was a little bit hard done by towards the end of last season this season it's been patchy it's not been great but <laughs> There's, you know, there's still a way to go, and we're still in with a chance. You know, we're in with a chance with in two uh, competitions, and if we did get top four as well, I think that'd be a good season. If we get top four and a trophy, that'd be a very good season. If we get top four at all, I think that that'll be enough to, for him to keep his job. I think the main problem that he's got for as well is the fact that Pochettino's just sort of lurking in the shadows. I know I say this every time I'm on this podcast, but it's true that everyone's sort of expecting Maurizio Pochettino to become Manchester United manager sooner or later and yeah. it, you know it could be sooner because he's out of a job at the minute. Uh, Jack, was, he, he has I was, stuck to his guns on this. Sorry, I was just going to he has stuck to his guns in terms of this idea of certain players wouldn't be playing. Uh, from the starting eleven in that game that they lost at Goodison Park in, in April 2019, there's only three players in that starting eleven that are guaranteed to start this weekend in, in the 12 months on. Is Solskjaer getting enough credit for the fact that he has fulfilled his words and he's either got rid of players or he's moved players out of the starting eleven and brought in players that are more likely to, to win these types of games? Uh, well, I was I was at that game last year, and I've, it's not often you see Solskjaer come in with like an idea of what he's going to say beforehand. And he was he'd obviously preempted his message, and he like just completely took off at the players. Um, but if you look at the ones that have have left, so Smalling went has done fairly well abroad. Yeah, he's done well. Lukaku went, Sanchez went, and I think that's about it from from that day. 
most of them have remained um, remained with the club. They've, they've, they bought they bought well last year, last summer, but they spent a hell of a lot of money while doing it, and and that's the problem. Like Harry Maguire is a very very good centre half, but is he worth the money they pay? Probably not. Wan Bissaka probably the same. Dan James was never going to be a a regular starter, and we had too much pressure on him at the start of the season. They need like they need a good three or four transfer windows. That's I mean that's the problem. They, they got they were set back about I don't know two or three years last last season. And it's going to take a long time to arrest that. When you look at the games that are coming up, Adam, I'll throw this one over to you. Obviously, Everton are a side that are going to be in the mix with with United for either Europa or potentially Champions League. After that, United have got a pretty crucial run of games. Obviously, Derby away in the FA Cup. Then it's the Derby. Uh, Our new favourite club, uh, Lask in the Europa League. Then Tottenham, Lask again, return of the Lask and Sheffield United. This is probably going to decide by the end of March whether United are pushing for Europa or Champions League is this must win if, if United don't win at Goodison is that any sort of a top four push over or is that still too early to call see we we talked about this off air before <clears throat> I kind of worry about Leicester a little bit only in that they've had a little bit of a slump there's no Vardy uh, for the Norwich game and I just wonder if if they keep going on a little run where the dropping points and United are United are in decent form at the minute. Of like Jay said, they'll win a few games and then drop points when they shouldn't. But I think United now, if they can keep the momentum, could quite well get top four. I think Chelsea are very iffy, but I genuinely think United's best best over top four is winning the Europa. So I don't think United at Goodison is a must win. I, I think if United right now, I think they can beat Everton. Um, They've got City next weekend, then Spurs, then Sheffield United. Say if United don't win at Goodison, then your egg's going in, in the other basket for me. But whether the squad's good enough, I'm, I'm not sure. I think I think there's other teams in that competition as well that are really strong. I, I don't know. I think they've had Bruno Fernandes in, who's now flavour of the month. He's got a few penalties and whatnot. Um, but I don't know if he's going to be good enough to to actually drag that United team into the top four. If you know, if they lose at Everton and Chelsea were to win at, at Bournemouth... I think it's still that only, Chelsea game, yeah. It's still only six points with ten games yeah. to go. Yeah, it's not, not many. Not I mean, the thing, the thing is, this, like you sort of alluded to, this Chelsea team is so patchy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've seen it before. They had a good run. They, they sort of had a, a difficult start. I mean, we beat them 4-0 at Old Trafford. They, they lost the Super Cup to uh, Liverpool. And then... They went on this run where they got some good results. Sam Abraham was banging him in. Everyone was like, this is amazing. You know, he's done really well. Lampard with all his youngsters. And then the form's been very iffy. I think they've lost nine. And if you look at something in the league, sorry, and I think if you look at some of the games they've lost, is it like West Ham, Bournemouth? Yep. We've beat them twice, which is unheard of for us to beat anyone twice, in the, especially in the same season. <laughs> but he's <laughs> under Watch out, Lask. Yeah. Um, but, Who? you know, that's... <laughs> That sort of shows that they are inconsistent, and there's, there's question marks around some of these youngsters now. People are saying, "Well, is Sammy Abraham good enough? Is it, can he sort of fill that role permanently?" Are the likes of Mount and other players really stepping up, Pulisic? And it's like they always seem to be sort of almost doing well, but not quite. So I don't see them as solid top four material, and I think that there still could be another twist in this. I, I think they could, they could potentially Chelsea drop, you know, lose another three games before the end of the season, which would keep it open. I think United are in a a weirdly fortunate position that you have got this Chelsea team in front of them who, at the start of the season, I remember on the podcast we were saying, there's no pressure on Chelsea this season. If they don't get top four now, 
it's not the end of the world with what they began the season with, but it's only because they've they've been in fourth now for how long have they been fourth? It seems like for most of the season. Yeah, but the, the, the top four seems to have been set for a while. Like you said before yeah. with Leicester, they've looked to have kind of been ninety percent certain. Chelsea probably about sixty. That that's dropped off of late. Yeah, just I just wonder if who who will want that spot more now. I think that's what it's going, going to come down to. I think Chelsea will slip up. I think United will slip up. It's just who who's going to have the worst of the slumps. It, it's weird. It's it's really weird that neither team are going to be able to string together. I'll eat my words in three weeks. <laughs> Five wins on the trot. It's just neither team seems to be able to do it. And that's the difference with Leicester managed to do it. Leicester went on that huge run. That, like you say, they're now 90% in it. Chelsea and United are struggling to put together three or four. So I think at the minute, United are in better form, look, look a better team. Chelsea got absolutely humiliated by Bayern in the Champions League. And you wonder what effect that'll have on the rest of the season yeah. so I don't know <laughs> I, I don't really care to be honest but uh, it's, <laughs> Very just, honest, it's, it's just one of those things now where we're not even talking about Spurs and they're one point behind United yeah but that, well, everyone, the, everyone's discounted Spurs because of the injury crisis yeah, yeah. including and, Mourinho but that, that's a game that he's playing yeah, he don't talk about it. me don't and talk Sheffield about me Sheffield United are on 40 and stranger things have happened this season so like Jay says, it's very unpredictable and there will be twists. I, I think I genuinely think there'll be some really weird results. Like you're not gonna say that Chelsea could play Southampton. You don't know who's gonna win that game this season. It's weird. I could do with Sheffield United making the top four because if City are out of the Champions League, I need some trips. Next yeah, season. I suppose that, that helps you. <laughs> just before we move on to Everton, Jack, I just wanted to ask you that that's an interesting point that Adam was making about the, the way that things were phrased at the start of the season Lampard's had the narrative on his side in terms of whatever he does is a success provided it's not an absolute disaster if Chelsea were to miss out on top four would he be able to then continue that of well I didn't have a transfer window at the start of the season I've played the kids blah 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 whereas United despite the fact that there's still a kind of lessening of expectations because of the way Solskjaer has started the season he's actually weirdly under more pressure because he's had transfer windows and it's Manchester United. Well, you'll always be under more pressure as a United manager and Lampard's going to be under less pressure because he's a young English manager that people like. And he's so, mates with everyone who's going to criticise him, which does help him. Yeah, he, he, if it went really, really badly, he'd get a, an easier ride than, say, yeah. Sarri got I, I think I think, Fergal, you've, you've said it there. Chelsea weren't able to spend any money at the start of the season. Yes, they had Pulisic coming in who... He's had a few good games. He, he's been a bit of a weird one as well that seems to have come in, done really well and then been out of the squad. United have spent a lot of money and I think that that heaps the pressure on Solskjaer even more. This is, and Solskjaer's a guy who's coming to that job not not fit to be Man United manager from his CV. Obviously, he's coming as a club legend and he's done he's done reasonably well at the end of it and they've made some really good signings but if they've spent £200 million and Chelsea haven't been able to spend a penny... That's why the narrative is is how it is. Well, Chelsea Chelsea refused to consolidate the position in January. Yeah, and I don't I don't know why. I don't know what the reasons were for that. Whether they wanted to give Lampard a little bit more time to figure him out before or he take started the pressure buying his off. own. I don't know. It's it's if they'd spent a bit of money in January on a goalkeeper, for example, yeah. then they'd be a shoe in for the top four. I think one thing that sort of Solskjaer can have in his defence is. I know we use this term and we've been using it at Old Trafford since 2013 and sick of saying it, but this is a transitional period. And he has, as we've just mentioned at the sort of beginning of this segment, got rid of a lot of players that yep. perhaps needed to be get rid of. You can talk about the, the form that Chris Mullins in in Italy and I get it. 
Romelu Lukaku, and I get it, but they weren't doing that at Manchester United. No. Romelu Lukaku, especially, you know, people go, oh, you got 30, oh, 42 goals in 96 games. It was in fits and starts, and towards the end, he looked abysmal. When he looked bad, he looked terrible, and he had to go. Sanchez was probably the worst signing United have ever made. So he's getting rid of these players. Ashley Young, great servant, time to move on. He's moving these players on, and that might give him a little bit of leeway because. He's not just signing loads of players and spending loads of money. You know, we got 70 odd million, I think, for, for Lukaku. So he's yep. bringing in our net spend. I know, again, I'm using horrible phrases, but our net spend. I found Jim's bell. You got away with transition period. Uh, yeah, no, I deserve one. it because I'm using phrases that I absolutely hate. <laughs> but it's not as drastic as some would think yep. because we have got rid of a lot of players, slash the wage bill and all that other stuff that, that's boring. And there's talk as well of the likes of Jesse Lingard and Andreas Pereira also moving on in the summer. So he can use that in his defence. Like, look. I'm moving players on as well as signing I, them. I'm doing, I think the, I'm doing the things that have to be done. Somebody said before, it might have been Jack, that United got set back three seasons last year. If United don't get Champions League football next year, they're in the same spot. Because, yeah, they've got the pulling power and they've been able to sign these great players. It's not... It, that just doesn't... It doesn't last forever. And we know Pogba's going to be on his way out and whatnot. But if they don't make Champions League again, and they might get a leg up from City... They're going to be in the same spot of, oh, we, we haven't got there again. We'll try again next year for Champions League and then it's eight years since they've they've won the title and it, it, it gets away from you, I think. I mean, they'd, lose, they'd, miss, they'd miss out on, what, 25 to 30 million from Adidas? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah all our deals, the, the deals and all that sort of stuff. And, we, you know, we had that financial report that wasn't, that wasn't great reading from a United point of view or United fan point of view. So, yeah, it is worrying. Um, I mean, and I think sound... what worries me as well is almost this attitude of, that we have from Woodward and his cronies of like, we'll be okay if we don't get Champions League and that's not what you want to hear. No. But the, I mean, the, the Adidas money that they miss out on doesn't seem like a a massive amount of money in the grand scheme of things for mm. a team that's it's more as, the, as large as the United. money from TV. But, and... it's, but that's two players' wages yeah. for the year, isn't it? Yeah, potentially. And, and you yeah. are getting to the point where you run out of players to move on. And then if, play, you're getting rid of that, if the players have got have the decision be between two clubs, one's in the Champions League, one's not, you, you just think that could be an issue. That could be the one. Right, speaking of moving on, um, and luckily for us, United have been inconsistent, but we're going to talk about a team that's been very consistent. Oh, wait, no, they haven't. That's Everton. So let's look at some of their results in the last couple of weeks. 2-2 against Newcastle, 3-2 away at Watford, 3-1 at home to Crystal Palace, and then losing 3-2 away at Arsenal last weekend. Um, this, is, this must be a bit of a nightmare for you, Jay, because one thing that United have struggled against this season is teams that have been unpredictable to to guess how they're going to set up and what they're going to do to Manchester United we've seen some of the results that have um, gone against Solskjaer so far this season that Watford one obviously is the one that sticks in the memory but Everton are so hard to gauge what's going to happen I'm going to ring my own bell here what team's going to turn up on the day because yeah. but that is the truth and I almost think the two goals against Arsenal last weekend the Calvert-Lewin goal and the Richarlison goal the indicative of where they are at the minute where they've still got a threat you don't know what the threat is going to be they'll get a goal but you've got no faith that they'll win the game but you you wouldn't be confident enough to say they'll lose the game you just don't know what's going to happen yeah it is weird because we were doing a preview on the, the channel and I was like oh you know Everton have been in good form since Ancelotti took over and then when you scratch the surface well, it's not really it's, it's patchy it's better yeah form. it's better it's, but I think the, the bar was so low under Marco Silva and it's it's sort of quite apt that you're talking about Everton and United and how we've struggled against these teams before because as I mentioned earlier 
when there was so much positivity and we thought we were moving forward after those sort of back-to-back great results against Spurs and City, we then had Everton at home with a caretaker manager in Duncan Ferguson and you think, right, we've just gone to the Etihad and got a great result, we're flying, this will be it. And we didn't turn up again and it's just another frustrating afternoon and that's what worries me is that, that as we're beginning to get this momentum, you, you come against um, an unpredictable Everton side um, and also, you know, again, we have these injuries. Just when you think, right, we're doing well. Marcus Rashford's flying. Fantastic. He gets injured. Andy Marshall is in his best bit of form he's had all season. And he's out now. And, and you're looking at Igalo. Love the guy. Love the way he's going about coming to Manchester United. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. And I can't and help he's loving just, the way he's yeah, going about it as well. And I can't help but just sort of buy into that because it is so, he's so positive and he got his goal. And okay, yeah, it's against Bruce, as I said earlier. But you can't help but like that and, and enjoy it with him. But we have to be realistic. He isn't going to cause them the problems that Rashford or Anthony Martial is going to cause them. No. Mason Greenwood, again, I love him. He's 18. You can't rely on him. Dan James, he's knackered. So going forward, we're struggling. And it's a shame because in Bruno Fernandes, we've got that player who looks like and who does create chances for those, those strikers. And if we had either Rashford or Martial, I'd be much more confident going into if, this game if, than we are at If the you minute. had Pogba and uh, Fernandes in the same midfield with Rashford in front... You've got a serious threat well, there. That's it. But you, you can't, forget, yeah, you you forget can't the players that, that are out. But it's like, to be fair, you could say that for most clubs. But no, but so. I think would Everton, if they had their full-strength team and United had a full-strength team, would it be that close? I don't mm. think it would. Yeah. They're not missing like really key players out for injury to the extent that United I, are. I think Everton are quite good fun to watch under Ancelotti. They're, like you say, they're unpredictable from a from someone who doesn't But that won't be care. what he wants. Oh, God, no. But from from my point of view, it's they've been really good fun to watch. You look at uh, the... United Everton game and think it could be three nil to Everton. It could be two one United. It could be three all. And I mean, it's fun from my point of view. It's not fun for Jay or for Everton fans yeah. who right now have no idea what's going to happen. So it takes comfort as well from our defence. Sorry to put in, but our defence has been a lot steadier recently. I read somewhere, so it must have been true because I read it on the internet that we've got the second. <laughs> Sounds most, reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got the second most amount of clean sheets in Europe, which I don't know where that came from. Listen, I know, the era you're of frowning fake news, at me. Eh? People have, uh, will know this, but you're frowning <laughs> at me since, yeah, since this oh, morning. probably including all of the yeah. uh, Europa League games. Don't we, rain we, on it. This, this is another been, last just myth. Just take your city hat off for a second, right? Just give us this, <laughs> Against right? teams that don't exist. We're having a parade tomorrow right, okay. because we've got the second most amount of clean sheets in Europe. Just deal with it. Right. So maybe, you know, in the but up until Christmas we had one of the worst defensive records and now yeah. it's got a lot better. Gives you that something to build on. That's all I'm saying. Jack, when you look at what Everton have done, as, as Adam mentioned under Ancelotti, when you don't have a horse in the race, you can say, oh, this is interesting to watch. You would watch them. The Arsenal game last weekend was was madness. There was goals, there was mistakes. Obviously, he's probably watching this through through the cracks in his hands. Do you think he's struggling to kind of mesh the two things together when Ferguson was there the, the big call was the passion that he's brought back into the team and that he's got the, the players wanting to run harder and work harder for the club he's tried to bring in a bit of a system but keep some of that it seems to me that he's finding it very difficult to to manage those two things together because yes he's a bit of a soft touch manager in the terms of he doesn't have a specific system that he plays at every club that he goes to but he is trying to make them more organised he is trying to make them hard to beat but the players almost seem to be not overruling it, but kind of thinking, well, Blood and Thunder got us uh, quite a good set of results under Ferguson. We're going to keep doing that. But in reality, if you want to get into Europe, that's not the way to go about it. I think he's, I'd say he's made them more attractive to watch, actually. Mm. But he's not made them any harder to beat. No, No. but I think maybe he's looked at it and gone, 
my the best way of approaching this for certainly for the first six months is to make them kind of better to watch, score more goals, get down the other end, run a bit harder as they did with Fergus. It, Everton's not that hard a job it's, in it's that a good, sense. It's a good point because the Everton fans were complaining because they were not scoring any goals under Silver at the end. And from that Liverpool game, I think that them being better to watch is enough for the fans right now. I think they're quite confident and they probably should be having a manager of that calibre. If they go into summer in the Europa League, it's been it's been a pretty good turnaround from what they were given. So uh, they're not harder to beat because he's not really had anything. Those defenders aren't good enough, really. Do, but is that an individual really. thing or is it a collective in terms of the defensive structure that he's tried to bring in isn't good enough? Or is it the individuals of, of Yerry Mina, Gibral Sidavi, Mason Holgate, Michael Keane? Um, probably yeah, the individuals, I think. Yeah. None of them have been massively consistent. No, and um, the even like when even when they were like god awful, really boring under Silver, you'd yeah. still expect them to ship a couple of goals. And the players in front of them, Schneiderlin, and God bless him, Delph, they've not done much to to help that defence. No, when, when they have played Gomez, Gomez is obviously a very good player, and him coming back will help them. But Schneiderlin is really really poor yeah. and he's but he's the only option at the minute mm. well he's, he's out now likely for the rest of the season lucky for a, Everton really but that, that's that's an interesting point because these experienced figures that and Delft's a great example of that he was brought in with a brief of we need someone with that level of experience in the midfield to help the likes of Tom Davies Richarlison etc and he's he's a walking red card. But they signed a midfielder who's not played in midfield for two years. Yeah, he was playing left back. But but is that indicative of the club that I don't want to say they don't know what they're doing, but of just well, this is the name. He fits the profile, but he doesn't fit what we need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely completely agree with that. It's not. I don't know. I don't know how old Delph is. Thirty four. Yeah, he's thirty. Towards the end, isn't he? Yeah, he's thirty. I don't know what they were kind of expecting to get out of someone who'd not 30. played Mr. 30 Del- Mr Delph would be very upset about wow. you oh adding God. four and years he really does get upset about stuff yeah <laughs> that mean, would actually wind him up you, you could if you're of, listening don't shout really loud at us Mr Delph you could sort of see that though couldn't you in that signing getting someone who's played a lot of football at Manchester City it seemed like trophy. a great idea yeah one trophy's obviously well, and he was good for rel- City isn't that old yeah he was good for City he's, so, he's a good utility player yeah. but you can't throw him into a team who've got no other midfielders and go yeah go and do a job Whereas at City, if he was playing left-back, he was playing with, obviously, a great team. And if he had to step into midfield, which was rare, he's playing around bloody Silva, De Bruyne, yeah. uh, Fernandinho at the time. So he's got enough cover. Everton, his cover is Schneiderlin, and then whichever two defenders they pick out of the hat. So it's, yeah, it's it's not set up for there was him at a, all. There was a reason why he wasn't playing in midfield for City. It wasn't because they thought they could transform him into a world-beaten left-back. They were about to sell him. Yeah. Before they were, and it was and it was a good four or five months before they decided to play him as left back. Um, they just didn't think he was he was good enough. So if someone who's kind of fifth choice in midfield for City, what then makes him good enough to be Everton's best midfielder? Mm. Yeah, but that, again, that just reeks of the kind of the end of days with Silver and figures within the club that were signing players or encouraging the club to sign players based on, as I say, the name and and what they could theoretically bring without actually looking what have they done in the last twelve to eighteen months. Right, you're going to hate me for this because we've talked about two of the most inconsistent teams in the league at the minute. Predictions, Adam, going to go to you first. Where do you see this one going? 2-2. Uh, mm. The, the two, most two. nailed on 2-2 two, two of all time. 
Fair enough. Jay, would you follow that? Are you going to I've done back I United? A, I forgot, right? I did a preview for my channel this morning. Yesterday I did one for an Everton channel and I forgot. I gave two different predictions. <laughs> keep on guessing. Give, I tell you what, give, give us the, give us the right keep, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so the only one I've not done is an, an Everton win, so I'll do that. I'll do an Everton oh, win. Come on, one. There you go. No, no, no. Don't be well, doing it for sake of fairness. What do you think? I think it's going to be a draw. I think it's going to be one of those. It's probably going to be a repeat of the game at Old Trafford, I think, 1-0. I hope I'm wrong, obviously. We batter him 5-0. But um, yeah, I think it, it could be one of those. Jack, would you follow on that or do you see I it going a different no, I, way? I agree with Adam. I think it'll be 2 2. Every, hope, every game Everton play, play, I think 2 2. So, and I think this one's no different. Green, Greenwood playing would be would make it slightly more interesting. I'd like to see Greenwood play with Fernandez from the start. Yeah, I enough. think he might. Yeah, I think that's a good shot. I think he might have to because I think I've him and Agarlo, I think. I'd love. Do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what? And I really don't. I don't want even our su- new mascot. I don't, I don't want Igalo to succeed by any stretch, but it is actually quite. It's quite wholesome to see him. He's he's you've massively gone against what you've just said. Then no, so you don't want him to succeed. I don't. But it is. It's actually Come quite on, heartwarming. I mean, where he's, you know he scored. He scored against Bruges, and he, he dedicates his sister, and he's yeah, like, oh, you know, she was a big United fan, and um, no, no matter what, I've always dreamed of scoring like, at Old Trafford. And you think you, you got to like that? He's obviously a, a good know, fo- not as a City fan, but as a United he's a good fan. footballer. But yeah. it, it's almost like a competition winner. When he's playing, it's like Ooh, right, right, right. Before, before, that. before, that one. before we <laughs> before not, we completely before no. we completely fall out, let's move on. Let's move on. Save there not being any fists thrown around. Uh, West Ham Southampton, the Jim Salverson South Coast Derby. That's what we're calling this one because <laughs> I can't think of a better name for it. Uh, West Ham are in big trouble. No win in the last seven in the league. They were impressive in patches against Liverpool at Anfield. They just couldn't hold them off. Apart from the goalkeeper decided that he didn't have hands. Yeah, but the other 10, I, I actually think, yeah. you speak to Liverpool fans, yeah. they were actually worried that this could be the record. Not that they were going to lose the league, but the unbeaten record could potentially, this would be the perfect hurdle for them to trip over. Unfortunately for, well, you and Jay, that didn't happen. And, and Liverpool came back and won the game. But let's, let's be honest about this. We're going to talk about Southampton in just a second. West Ham are in trouble. And if they can't find a way around this, we're talking about runs of games before. Southampton this weekend, followed by Arsenal away, Wolves at home, Tottenham away, Chelsea away. That could then put them in the middle of April where their their fate might already be decided. Are we panicking? Do do we think West Ham are in real trouble? Jim won't forgive me for saying it. It's For me, it's win or bust. This game. And Moyes has put it all on himself because he's come up with these stupid quotes again. He, like he said, "Yeah, I know." He's, He's got him on his fridge. He said after the Liverpool game, where they played, they did play quite well. They they ran harder than I've seen them run. They played some decent football. He said the City and the Liverpool games didn't ma- matter, and they weren't big games. The next games are, and then you look at the games and you go, "Yeah, the Southampton game is is a really big game." Then they've got Chelsea the week after. So if Liverpool and City weren't big games, what's the Chelsea game? You're writing that one off as well. But Don't forget, well, this is a man that said we just need to work on our tackling, passing yeah. and shooting but, and then we'll be alright. And do you right know what? I can't believe no one's deleted that tweet yet. Oh, man. Jim, I, can't I, believe anyone's <laughs> da- I can't believe anyone's <laughs> doubting him because when yeah. you do work on them three things, you're actually better to him. genius. Jim won't forgive way. me for this either and I'm, he's never going to invite me back. But I'm not sure what West Ham expected when they brought David Moyes back. Ooh. I genuinely thought it was, and I said this when it happened on the podcast, one of the least ambitious managerial appointments that you'll see. And the, that's second only to when uh, Watford brought back, was it Flores? I can't remember which one they brought back. Kike uh, Sanchez Flores brought him back yeah, for the second time. It's like, he, he was always going to struggle. What's he going to change that he, he, he couldn't have already? It's, 
I think there was, I sort of get it in a way because his time at West Ham last time round wasn't that bad, really, was it? No, he, met, he, met, he met his brief of yeah. keep them up. Yeah. yeah, and when you look at what was going on with Pellegrini, even though personally I would never bring David Moyes back to any club ever, but I can sort of get it because it's like Pellegrini, you, you've got the sense the players weren't playing for him. He had yeah. that sort of air of aloofness. Moyes is very sort of vocal, hands on, old school manager. Maybe that was what they needed. But they're not the his old players now, of, are they? You know grabbing them by the scuff of the neck like come on let's do this sort of thing digging deep it hasn't worked out that way and I think as Keezy said I think they're in all sorts of trouble and then when you have that sort of okay they did alright against Liverpool and obviously they were leading but it's almost like that oh you know didn't we do well because we were winning yeah. for a bit and we turned up for a bit and no you've got to be you know aim a little bit higher than and that and be disappointed really be gutted that you haven't taken anything from Anfield and they're not they're almost giving themselves a pat on the back yeah. just, for, just for getting beat which is just not good enough. I mean, yeah, they were fine. They were right at Liverpool, but <laughs> fine. <they were> just, <laughs> I thought you were going to give us a bit more positivity on that one. City, they were just abject. They were awful. But they didn't, yeah, they? The thing, the problem with the City game, they just didn't want to be there. They wrote it off. But but it was so it was. I mean, why are you writing games off? It's you're stupid. Not, you're not you, ten points clear. You, you're wow. in a you're in a real 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 bad position, and you go to City. You may as well do what they tried to do against Liverpool. And I don't want to say have a go because you'll ring your bell, but they may as well have, have gone and tried to to actually win. Don't turn up and roll up because they definitely rolled over at mm. City. They didn't at Anfield because of what happened at City, I'd imagine. But like Jay said, they've come away from that game going, you know what, that was really good. It wasn't. That could be that could be a real negative that they, they had a point mm. at Anfield and then they managed to throw it away. If, if they can't cling on to those points... They're still struggling, and they're playing Southampton, who we said before off air, they're not far from being safe. So Southampton no. are going into this game going, we can put them down and keep us up. Yeah, and and I think one of the factors you've got to remember with those two games is Moyes' record at Anfield. That would have been weighing on his mind. Till he would have, it, it does come on. It, yeah, it will yeah, have been on his mind. There's there's no two ways about yeah. that. He will still have been thinking about that. He was at Everton for a long time. Um, Southampton, I think, as Adam said, he's absolutely right. Given the points they're on at the minute, you're looking and probably saying two more wins will get them the magic 40-point mark, which will more than likely keep them up. Maybe even they might even stay up on 38, 39, depending on how things go. Would you follow on from that, Jack, of that result against Aston Villa last weekend seemed to have the air of breathe. You know, they'd lost two in a row. They seem to be kind of going off the boil a bit after this famous, they got walloped by Leicester and then they went on a run, then they dipped... Do you think, given the players they've got, given the fact that Harson Huttle seems to have a fairly clear plan, that they should be okay? Yeah, they'll be fine. But they're like everyone, all the other clubs down there, it's like they're happy to get to 38 and do nothing else. It's yeah. But you don't you see might, them in any I, immediate I, I, danger? No, I don't think so. They've got, they've got too, well, they've got too many goals in Danny Ings, haven't they? I mean, if they'd not had Danny Ings for the last three months... They'd already or, be down. They, yeah. They'd be already gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, which just goes to show, that, you know... Hasenhutl's got great ideas, etc., etc. But they've got something that quite a few other clubs are missing down that and down the end, down that end, and it's a goal scorer, and yeah. that's that'll that's what keep and, you up, and that's what West Ham haven't had. Yeah, yeah. they have Antonio up front the other day. Yeah, they signed Haller. Haller's only scored one goal. I'm just looking at the numbers one. here. He's got one goal in 2020. He's got six in the league all season, and he's their top scorer. And they needed 15 from him, really. Yeah, for, for that money and. But it's what West Ham do. They'll sign a striker every other season for forty million. He'll score once, and then that's that's it. And it's it's a really weird one. West Ham, if they genuinely, if they don't beat Southampton, 
They've then got to play Arsenal, Wolves, Spurs, Chelsea and Newcastle. And I can't see them picking up more than one, two points max. And by that point, they could already be down. So this Southampton game is really like, you, you've got to pull your finger out here. They, they need three points desperately. And if that team goes down, they're in real trouble. Well, following on from from Adam Moyes about this kind of being the game, the game of the weekend. Not to you know, <laughs> not to make little of Everton, Manchester United. What a weekend. Where do, where do we, Jack? Go on, we're going to we're going to go with you first on this. I I do agree. This is a huge game because it could be the two of them moving in opposite directions that wouldn't really be reversed. How do you see this one playing out? West Ham need to win, but are they going to be able to get it, or do you fancy Southampton? I think West Ham. After all that, I think West Ham might win. So do I. <laughs> so do I. Haller hat trick. I think we'll. <laughs> Limp. No, nick it 1-0 yeah limp it yeah. Jay your old friend Mr Moyes you'd be backing him to stay up I can see where the guys are coming from because you do have that sort of thinking that they could pull this out of the bag a little bit but I don't know I just think that Southampton have got a bit more confidence than West Ham have got so that might give them the edge so I'll go with I'll go with Southampton 2-1 I'm gonna, Adam I'm going to go West Ham again after slagging them off for the last 5-10 minutes um, they'll win and that gets them out of the that gets them out of the bottom three for at least this weekend because Villa are playing City. So, yeah, I think they'll they'll stumble through it, but they're gonna need they're gonna need to stumble through it because I don't think they're gonna beat Southampton. Great stuff. Uh, I'm going to get the lads to, to nail their colours to the mast after the break on a few more potential relegation battles. Uh, we're also going to be previewing the Carabao Cup final. Adam's all set to go to tell us why City are going to win 10 0. Wow. And we're also going to be touching on the breaking news of coronavirus and the effect that it could have on the Premier League as well as European competition and potentially Euro 2020. Join us after the break. Football Social Daily with German gourmet doner kebabs made with our signature sauces. Sports Social. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Preview Show. Don't forget, we are your go-to source for all things Premier League. Just hit like, just hit subscribe, and there'll be a brand new episode waiting for you every single day. Now, before the break, we talked about Everton against Manchester United, and then we talked about West Ham against Southampton, and potentially what effect that might have on the relegation dogfight. Now we're going to talk about what has been dubbed as the M23 Derby. Now, during the break, Adam's given his views on no. made-up names for derbies, so yeah. we're going we're gonna to avoid avoid you know any chat about motorways because you know no one likes to talk about motorways they're boring uh, Brighton against Crystal Palace this this has got nil nil written all over it for uh, can, me can we talk about motorways for the no 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 we're not talking about anything game. about motorways sure? we, we got, we've got to drag some sort of football out of this as much as you love to talk about motorways both of these teams are in this kind of strange situation whereby before Christmas you'd probably say they're going to be right in the middle of the relegation battle Palace have pulled away Brighton have still staying in there. This is obviously weighted much heavier on Brighton. They're at home. The onus is on them to go go and win the game. And Palace to be Palace, be really, really organised and really hard to beat. Jack, throw this one over to you to start with. Where do you see this going? Uh, well, I think generally Brighton are going to go because they've won, I think they've won once since the start of December or something. Yeah. Uh, and that's, quite, Yeah, that's exactly right. They're quite nice to watch, but don't really have any punch. Um <laughs> And the drawing too many games. I don't. You just get the feeling with some teams, don't you? Like they've had, they were all right before Christmas, and then they have that little run in January and into February where they can't buy a win, and then they suddenly find themselves like, oh, we're only whatever they are, two points out of the 
bottom three. Yep. And everyone's suddenly caught with him. Mm. And he Four points, sorry, as it, as it is at the minute. The, I, I like I'm, Graham Potter, as we all know. I'm big, big Graham Potter fan. Why do you like him? I Adam, don't, tell I, us. I actually don't have any reason. I went to see Ostersunds play in the Europa League the other year, and he was managing them. And since then... Do you not think there's a little bit of... That, that's how interesting this game is. But, but do you not think there's a little bit of just the story around him? And, uh, you know, the old yeah. chat is about Chris Hewton and what he would have done and, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But it's ringing true. 11 games to go, that question is going to be asked about Graham Potter. Of, if, Chris, if Chris Hewton was still here or a Chris Hewton-style manager was still here, would they be in this position? Or more importantly, would they be better equipped? Jay, do you think they're still trying to almost do a bit too much given the players they've got? in the situation that they are? Possibly. I mean, they, they, don't have, they don't have like a great lot of options anyway, do they? And Chris Hewton was able to sort of grind results out. And I, I sort of understood, even though I like Chris Hewton and I think he's a nice guy and he's, he has been a bit hard done by managerially in terms of the way he's mm. been treated and the, the, some of the, the, the sackings he's had. I could understand why Brighton fans were a bit like, this is dire to watch and, and we should be aiming a little bit higher and trying to do things differently. And at first, Graham Potter seemed like he was the answer. And you can admire Brighton, the the, the, tra- the, the fact they do try and play football the right way. Potter is a bit of a character. You mentioned yeah. about his time at Ostersund and some of the stuff he, he did there. And he sort of, he has this ethos that you can buy into. But the fact of the matter is, as, as like other people have said, you know, they, they've, they've not won in 2020 and that's... It's relegation. That's the big one. That's yeah. the big stat. It's relegation cycle, isn't it? If you know, it's no good drawing four out of five or whatever because that's not it's good not enough. It's up. not enough. It's not going to help you. Um, and I, I just don't see where those wins are coming from, if I'm being honest. I think you were right, Fergal, that they're trying to do too much with the players they've got. Potter wants to play this really good football. And sometimes they are quite nice to watch, like Jack said. They, they're quite nice. But with 11 games to go... Nice doesn't work. Yeah, but, you know, Norwich are nice. Yeah, it and doesn't it's work. where they are. Yeah. Well, and then you've got the flip side. Palace have scored less than they've played. And that's, like, pathetic's probably quite harsh, but it is pathetic. They've scored 24 goals, Palace, and their team is so much better than 24 goals in 27 games. They just can't score. And it's it's actually quite weird to watch. I watched them the other week, and they've got Benteke, Ayu, and Zahar. And they, they can't come up with a goal. And I, I I can't wrap my head around how. But there has to be a platform from a little bit further back. And yeah. Hodgson's brief the whole time he's been there is organisation is the king. That's, the, you know, they've got McCarthy, MacArthur, Czech Kuate or, or Luka Milivojevic that are not going to break forward with the ball or, or carry any goal threat from midfield. But given the points they've racked up prior to, prior to this, and they've also got this ability to go we've lost a few games we've not been good let's dig in let's get that result and that's what happened at Newcastle last weekend they lost three on the run prior to that and then they win 1-0 at home to Newcastle who were, yeah they're having their injury problems but they do seem to have that ability which other sides don't to know well this is one game too many to lose yeah they're, quite, yeah, they're good at resetting and I'm, I think Hodgson's quite good at swallowing his pride to a certain degree mm-hmm. and he's not ashamed to set up quite negatively in order to get a result um, even at home I think the main problem Palace have and have had for a while is that teams double up on Zahar either mark him out of the game or kick him out of the game and once that happens there's not enough quality around him for people to then take yeah. up, take on the responsibility yeah. of driving them driving them on they had it to a certain degree with Ayu earlier in the season um, but they need it's hard isn't it because you need another kind of 30 Thirty-five million pound player. To You're go probably and play right. With there's there's no creativity in midfield. Like, no, there's, there isn't. There's nothing. McCarthy and McCarthy are just 
they, yeah. they do a job. Yeah. They, Ian, and Ian Wright can't even tell the difference between them. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. Uh, they tried. They tried. They tried to sign that player that would help them when Zahar was being occupied elsewhere in Max Mayer. Oh, yeah. But it's not really kind of worked yeah. out. Yeah. The, that win against Newcastle, you mentioned that, that was a really big win for them because they were only two points above Brighton before that. And this game then would have been, wow, if Brighton beat Palace, Palace are going to get sucked in. We we said a, about six weeks ago, Palace were in real danger of dropping like a stone and they've, like you say, they've, they've found a way of winning that one game that's going to keep them up because they do have enough quality. Yeah. They've got more about their team than, I'd say, Brighton, Bournemouth, probably Newcastle, definitely Norwich, probably Watford. So they've got enough, but it's it's not... It can't be fun to watch as a Palace fan this season. It's basically struggle on, get to summer and just reset. I, well, think, that- I think... Sorry to interrupt you, Fergal. I think you've hit it now on the other edge. I mean, Roy Hodgson will keep you up. And he's, you yeah. know, he'll do it however he needs to do it. And if I was a Palace fan, I'd probably feel pretty confident that he could keep yeah, it up. Yeah. Whereas if I'm a Brighton fan, I'm thinking, well, Potter's a bit of an unknown entity. West Ham, we've, we've discussed Moyes, you know, Norwich, sort of, I think they sort of got promoted a bit too soon, if that makes any sense, because I don't think they were expecting it almost. Um, Watford have been through three managers already this season. Where with Hodgson, you think, okay, he's not exciting, but he's got more experience than any other manager in the league. Yeah. And he knows what to do. And he's got, as, as Kesey said, enough quality in that team to keep them up. And I think that's almost like, even when they were doing relatively well in the top sort of seventh, they were up to seventh at one point, I think the goal then was still just to, to stay up. And does I think Hodgson, that's what they'll do. Does he go in summer? Hodgson. No, I don't think so. Because as Jay said, I think when you look at this, Palace fans are fairly pragmatic about what they expect from the situation. They know that probably Zaha's going to move on eventually and replacing him could take two players, could take three players. He, he carries that much of a threat. As, as Jack said, teams, it's, it's so obvious where they'll go right back, right midfielder will pick up Zaha and that cuts out 70 or 80% of their attacking intent. Right, we're going to blitz through the rest of the games, but before we do, quick predictions. Jack, where do you see this going? Uh, nil-nil, no shots on goal. Wow, you know what? Yes, I was going to say the last game of match of the day, no, no, and you took it away. From, um, I'll go with. Um, you can go nil nil if you. If no, you like. I like to try and do something different. I'll go with one nil, Brian. One nil, Brighton. Adam, I'll go one one just in case there's any goals. Just in case well, there's a bit more probably excitement. Be two own goals or yeah. two penalties. Well, it's yeah. the it's the pride yeah. of the M. VAR will be the winner. It's the pride of the M23 at stake here, guys. You know, come on, oh, big, 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 big stakes. <laughs> right, um, another South Coast club in action: Bournemouth against Chelsea. Obviously, we've touched on Chelsea quite a bit in the context of the, the top four chat with United and and Everton in the first half. Bournemouth, the injuries slowly starting to ease up but they still can't get the results that they need they've lost two games in a row lost to Sheffield United and then got beat quite comfortably by Burnley last weekend they're still right in trouble Chelsea it's very difficult to gauge on the back of a Champions League performance but Bayern Munich took them to bits in midweek how will they react to that how will Lampard look to react to that they're not in nearly as much of a comfortable position as Leicester are as, as we talked about before Jack Chelsea need to win this to make sure that they don't let United or Tottenham get ideas to make sure that they're still leading the pack. Yeah, I think um, you'd expect a performance from Chelsea because they've got a lot of good players. I think it's more about how... I'm more interested in how Bournemouth responds last week, really. Mm. Um, I went to that game and they lost 3-0, but they were the better team for, I don't know, about an hour. And they got absolutely shafted by VAR. It was just... I think it was the worst experience I've had of VAR so far this season. Um particularly with the with the penalty award and Bournemouth just went to pieces after that. But they had they created 
loads and loads of chances, played really well. Um, and to me, seemed like they had enough to stay up. But then afterwards, Eddie Howe looked like... Well, I wrote in the paper, he looked like he was about to burst into tears. Like <laughs> his, It looked like his world had ended. The key, the key for Bournemouth is going to be home form. Just looking at the numbers here, the last four home games, they've only lost one. If if they are going to stay up, if they're going to make sure they can keep their head above water, that's where they're going to live and die on the home form. And that starts in, in this game. But are you confident that they're going to get something? Mm, I I personally think Chelsea will, will come out and win. Um, I think, like Jack said, they've got enough in that team to put in a performance. Bournemouth have got Chelsea and Liverpool back-to-back. They're going to struggle there, but then they're going to have to start picking up points after that. I think, yeah, Bournemouth, are, they, they need a win, but I think Chelsea will just roll them over, to be honest. I think, like you say, that game might really hurt them last week. They, they were really good. I watched the highlights. They looked really good. And then, you know, they just they just fell fell to bits. I wonder if that's going to have the, the negative effect rather than push them on in the next game. He was, t- yeah, he was talking after about this, we need to create a siege mentality and all that sort of stuff, but yeah. it, these sort of things can go both either way, can't they? Well, mm. Adam, you're sticking with Chelsea win, yeah. you don't see Bournemouth getting anything. Jay, would you, do you see how pulling something out of the bag here based on home form being decent? No, I don't. Um, I think, I, I can't see past uh, a Chelsea win, if I'm being honest. I think Bournemouth may end up in all sorts of trouble. He's mentioned that he got the Scouts coming up as well. Um, and I'll, Eddie Howe was shell shocked and looks like a man who's <laughs> losing the, his appetite. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think I've, uh, early on in the season, I said I thought Bournemouth might be safe because I thought Eddie Howe could, you know, was a good enough manager and they had enough, enough quality there. But I don't know. I just get the feeling that all's not quite right there. So yeah, I'm going to go over Chelsea win, and I think they could struggle this season. Bournemouth three for three, Jack. No, I think Bournemouth will win. Ooh. Really? I think I saw enough last week to think they might get a result here. Yeah. Okay, I think that's that's the, the shock of the prediction so far. Newcastle Burnley next game. Newcastle. Are you making these up? No, I'm, I, I, I'm just pulling pull, pull them out Every of the hat. Every time I think, oh, that's a mouthwatering one. You pull another one out. Well, hold on, hold on, hear me out. Uh, Newcastle, no win in four, but Burnley, as we said, rocked Bournemouth's world last weekend, beating 3 0. Newcastle are, are going to end up slipping into to the relegation scrap, you'd expect. They've got the Bournemouth, Bournemouthitis of injuries as well. Loads of players just seem to be picking up minor injuries, can't get them fit. They've had issues with suspension. And Burnley. Generally, again, all, almost similar to Palace, but probably better at it. Always seem to have enough. Do, do you see this maybe tipping being a result for Newcastle to propel themselves out of it a bit, Jay? I don't know. It's weird because you look at it and you think, oh, Newcastle are doing okay, you know, in terms of where they're on the table. Whenever I speak to Newcastle fans, they're not too sort of enamoured of Steve Bruce. There's all this element of we're doing all right, but it's almost more by look than design. Um, just looking now, the, the top scorers, John Joe Shelby with five goals. I mean, that tells its own story. You know, Joe Linton hasn't really got going. Almiron, I know he's broken his duck, but he's not exactly going to bang them in. And I just think they've relied, they've got results, haven't they, where random goal scorers, defenders have got a goal. The long, long staff likes getting a goal against us and no one else. It's, you know, <laughs> it, you can't rely on that. Like, where you've got Southampton, who know that Ings will get you a goal and, you know, you've got an outlet there. With with Newcastle, it's all a bit too random. And I, I do feel there's like the sort of Damocles hanging over and that they just. You, you feel any minute, moment now the wheels are going to come off and I think this this could be it I really do I think Burnley aren't having a fantastic scene but they can get results and I think this is one of those games where they'll get one Burnley probably a bit more solid than I was actually giving them credit for they're unbeaten in the last five in the league that, the only game they haven't won was the draw against Arsenal they've beaten Bournemouth <laughs> they've beaten Southampton they beat United sorry Jay and they beat I Leicester 
this is pr- a pretty good run that Daish is on. He, he manages expectations so well. He, he does enough and then he goes, well, well, you know, let's not get too hasty about this. And he's almost doing exactly the same again now. Five, five games ago, I was on the podcast and I said, for that, was it the Bournemouth game, the first one? Whether you won. In that run. Um, and I said, this is going to be the game because I then was like, if they don't win that, I can see them going down. And then they've won four out of five. So you love it's, pro- it's probably not worth asking me. But, Adam would have about um, eight going down. <laughs> I uh, don't know where you got that from. Um, but uh, Newcastle need a win. And this game, see, I think Burnley are safe. They're on 30. So they're on the same amount of points as Arsenal, for God's sake. But I think Burnley will win this game. I think Newcastle, like Jay said, they're another team who can't score goals. No. They, yeah. they don't have that player, Joel Linton, cost them however much money. Scored, don't get that sign scored, as well. Scored three goals. It was no. one to kind of, oh, look, we are spending money, look. On all a player on that player. got, what, seven goals at Hoffenheim. And he, they they he, seem to do better. Season. And they spent big, big money yeah, on them. Yeah, really? They, they seem to do better in the games again, in the games that they shouldn't win. City, they got yep. the draw. United. Yeah, they beat us um, at their ground. Who else have they... Did they get a draw against Arsenal, was it? Burnley get Spurs. nil nil against Arsenal. Spurs yeah, well, beat Spurs. So, so they seem to get those results when it, it's almost a free hit. And I think this this Burnley game is well, Burnley win it and they are safe. They're on thirty seven now, so I I think Burnley will win it. So we, Burnley we, to hit forty. Would you would you follow on that, Jack? Uh, yeah, I think they I think they probably will get a result because they're on. They're on a bit. They're on, they're on a roll. It's funny because like over Christmas, it was Burnley fans calling for Deitch's head. It's crazy, that fickle world, isn't it? Because probably one of them. But that's the, that's the problem. What we were saying before about teams not playing attractive football. That's the issue. If you're not playing well, and you're or you're not something that you're enjoying, mm. and you're not winning, then even given Deitch's record, people people turn. Yeah. But New, I, I found Newcastle really funny this year because my we've got to do these like videos after matches um, from like the press box, and my my colleague in the northeast. Every time Newcastle win a game, he's like, "Yep, don't understand football. No idea why they how they won that game." <laughs> oh yeah, they keep every single yeah, time because they keep even that City game, the two-two. I still don't know how how, how they managed they got it. Shelby scored that ridiculous goal, but it, they do manage to scrap them, and they're on a bit of an FA Cup run as well. So they need a couple of wins to stay up. I think they'll get them somehow. I think they'll they'll find a way of stumbling across Bruce. I think it's done all right. This season, I think on the whole he has, and they've had horrible, horrible luck with injuries. Yeah, yeah, they've they've been very unlucky, especially at the back. They lost three defenders out yeah. of four at one point. So, yeah, I think Burnley will win this game, but I think Newcastle will be safe. So Burnley win for you, Adam Jack. What what were you going yeah, for? Yeah, a, a tight Burnley win. Yeah, tight Burnley win. Jay, yeah, three I would three. Have a Burnley win as well. Then I said it. Yeah, I think it'll be a comfortable Burnley win. Okay, uh, last game on Saturday is Watford against Liverpool. Liverpool, we now know, need just four wins to clinch the title. Jay knows all about how difficult Watford can be beat. Uh, how difficult it can be to beat Watford. Sorry, that wasn't that wasn't even a mistake. That, that was genuinely <laughs> well, just me we've, 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 chipping we've, over. We've won one and lost one against them, which for us we, is pretty. Should we just make this really quick? Liverpool. Are do we do we now. see do we see any grounds for Watford sticking a leg out? This is this is actually a replay of Pearson's first game in charge, where he went to Anfield, made it hard, obviously lost eventually. You know, I'm sick of this narrative. Oh, we did all right. We made it hard for a bit, and uh, you know what? That just shows where we're at with this Liverpool team. People are like. You know, managers or players or whatever, or teams are like quite happy to get beat and not get embarrassed. And I think, you know, that's just. How many have they not won in now? They've the fight. They're at least five without a win. Watford. Watford. Yeah. They yeah. had that great run when when Pearson first came back in, but the they're really really slipping away now. And then let's be honest. I mean, if they do fair play, they're not going to beat Liverpool. But it is one of those games where, do you roll over? Do you go and have a go and get beat six nil? 
No, well, if it was Watford under Silver, they'd go and get beat 6 0. But I think well, Pearson will dig in. Pearson's smarter. He'll make it hard. He'll, he'll throw some tackles in. He won't himself. It'd be funny if he did. It'd be, it'd be one of those but, games where Liverpool <clears> win it late with two goals. Yeah, last two, 20 minutes. 2 0 late on. Yeah. 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 But <laughs> Watford, no. Not for me in this game. No. They should, okay. have brought, they should have brought a Gallo back in January. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Return of the Gallo. Right. Uh, last Premier League game of the weekend, Tottenham against Wolves. Uh, Jose Mourinho is still not happy that he doesn't have a striker, uh, even though he didn't buy one. Um, <laughs> that sentence, that, beginning that sentence with any other sentence, yeah. Jose Mourinho is still not happy. And then with. Say anything after that. His breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Any, anything. I, yeah. I don't, what do you reckon Jose Mourinho has for his breakfast? Oh, Probably really sour grape something rubber grapefruit in mud something like that. he can find probably <laughs> do you want to know what his favourite sandwich is and I know this for a fact oh no please oh can we guess cheese and pickle oh that was weird that was like tuna mayo uh, chicken salad without the salad just chicken just, just chicken. chicken yeah he's a, pl- he's a, sim- he's a simple character and just normal white bread wow that says a lot. Okay, well, from 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 <laughs> sa- from from sandwiches to to football, um, how do we see this going? Wolves, obviously, Europa League midweek got through, did very well against Espanyol home and away. They don't seem to really be phased by Thursday night, Sunday, Thursday no. night, Sunday. No, they they, they seem to have the squad to balance that. Tottenham, who didn't play midweek, don't seem to have the squad to balance that. Uh, and Mourinho's letting everybody know about it. Mm. They're still in the conversation for top four, obviously. But this is going to be really, really difficult for them. They got uh, quite a fortunate, if, if, if you want to be you know, pragmatic about it, result against Wolves. Uh, I think it was Vertonghen or Aldebarold scored an yeah. injury time goal yeah. um, at Molyneux uh, earlier this season. Adam, go to you on this one. Uh, do you see? Do you see this? Do you see this potentially being an enormous game in terms of Europa League spots? Because if Tottenham lose this, Wolves then are right in the reckoning for top four. Yeah. We have to start or, talking about them. Or if Tottenham win this and United don't win, then they go into fifth and just behind Chelsea. So it's a really weird one. I think it's it's a draw. Um, if you if you ask me, it it looks like a draw on paper. Wolves don't lose many games. They've lost as many as City this season. Um, but yeah, it's. I don't know. I, I don't know. Is is the is the honest answer? Um, I don't think Tottenham have got much of a threat at the moment. They keep trying Deli Ali up front, which seems a bit odd. Um, and I wonder if Mourinho's got a solution. They've got Mora, haven't they? So whether he goes back to Mora, I don't know how long Son's still out for. Is he out for ages? He's out, I, I'd be surprised if he plays again this season. Which he said is, in his press conference that Kane will get a couple of games for the end of the and season. I think Son is a bigger miss than Kane. Uh, at, at the moment obviously Kane's been out for that long I don't know I don't know how this one goes Wolves uh, they should have won the game the other night they obviously went through comfortably on aggregate Spurs do you know what I think it's a draw but I can see Spurs getting one of those really shady 1-0 Mourinho games whether he's still got that in his locker I'm not sure but if if it's not a draw I can see Spurs nicking it well we thought that would be the case last weekend against Chelsea that it'd be set piece centre back goal Wolves have got too much about them, you would say, yeah. to fall into that. So, so Adam, going for a draw on that. Jay, do you think Wolves have got enough about them? You know, we're talking about lack of strikers, lack of goal threat. Diego Jota's banging form, five goals in two games. Raúl Jiménez is arguably the best striker outside the top five, top six. They they've got enough to cause Tottenham quite a few problems. Have they got enough to win? I don't know. I think this might suit Mourinho. I think this is the sort of game where he just says to his players, right. I want you to stifle them, I want you to waste time, I want you to do everything. We've got no strikers, just do everything you can to make this horrible for them. Um, and he'd be quite happy to do that. And then, like Keezy said, I can actually see him nicking it. Um, I still, I know Jose is not the Jose of old, but I still think that for certain games he can pull it out. And if you look at it, this is a game where if they win, 
the, the right in that conversation for top four. Um, and yes, Wolves are doing well and they, they have a good team and they play good and some great football, but they're not, you know, they're not unbeatable. I mean, yes, they've only lost as many games as City, but City have lost more games than they usually lose this season. So yep. Six defeats shows that yeah, yep. twenty-seven games shows you are beatable. So yeah, I can see I can see Jose doing a, a Jose of old and just getting a sort of drab one 0 win, little sneaky win, which, which mm. I think all Spurs Jack, fans have been more do, than happy. Are you with. back in Jose on this one or back yeah. in Nuno? What I was going to say was he does have a striker. He's got the kid Troy, Troy Parrott. Parrott. Oh, Fergal's well, favourite. Like, all the Spurs fans are. I've always liked you, him. Jack. Fergal's. Favorite player in the world, I'd say. Why? Really? <laughs> he's, Why? He started a campaign. The new, the new Robbie Keane. He's actually yeah. started a campaign. I, I had like a big book on him last week. Everyone was shocked, or the, the Troy Pirate knowledge that I dropped on them. Mm. But lo- lo- I, I'm disclaimer. I'm not saying that he's actually amazing, but just here's a mad idea. He, he scores goals playing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's similar to just going back to United very very briefly. Similar to Solskjaer, I was like if Greenwood's good enough, then he gives him a go. But Pirate's not even been on the bench, has he? Last few weeks. Are you Jose wouldn't play a, 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 a young, young promising striker. Promising instead, would play he Have you got any evidence yeah, to base that on? Alderweireld up yeah. front. Listen, that is an absolutely baseless <laughs> assumption. Well, I was I was at that first press conference. When he I got was at that one with a piece of paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was sat next to it was Don McGuinness when he asked the question, yeah. and I was sat next to him, and I felt, I felt like moving out of the way because Jose's stare was such a dead stare, and he pulled out that piece of paper, didn't he? That everyone then analysed and realised was nonsense what he'd said about the forty-five players he'd given a what chance do you mean to. You've, what do you mean you've given first-team debuts to five hundred and seventy? Yeah, uh, yeah, haven't actually. And he was counting players that had like played like literally thirty seconds of, at the end of a five 0 win. It all counts. It yeah. all counts. So I don't think yeah, Jack. Who are you going for in this one? Uh, two one Wolves. Ooh. Two one Wolves. Okay, Ooh. fair enough. So the, the tide's going against Mourinho, right? Uh, there's another game on Sunday which Adam's been dying to tell us all about. Uh, ever since he was a little boy, and he looked at that kind of <laughs> that kind of Carabao energy drink that he was always such a fan of, and he dreamed of one day that his team would get his hands on the hallowed. Carabao Cup but no all jokes aside first piece of domestic silverware this season Manchester City defending their League Cup title against Aston Villa obviously this is being painted as City are going to walk it right. Adam be, be honest do, do you uh, see this being straightforward City should should win it um, but this game reminds me of the Sunderland game uh, that's six years ago now in the, in the final um, where City should have just won it Sunderland came for a free hit Sunderland scored first and made it very difficult and then City came out second half scored two of the best goals we'll ever see at Wembley and won it 3-1 but Villa and I've I've watched them in almost every round the Carabao Cup um, this season they've been very very good uh, in this competition specifically I don't, I don't know why and they've not been able to do it in the league but they've been quite impressive Grealish has been magnificent in this tournament uh, in this competition on its own uh, he'll probably win player of the tournament at the end of it. He's He's been amazing, but he's got to lead that team as a really young lad at Wembley and he's almost got to pull them through yeah. that City game. And what, what Villa need to do is make it hard for City. Don't do what Watford did in that FA Cup final, albeit Watford could have, stu- could have scored quite early on, but don't do that. Make it as hard as possible. Make it really ugly in, part, in parts and then counter. That's what they did against Leicester and it worked. The keeper was good. They've got a, a good back three in this competition as well. They've been playing the same back three of Horse, uh, Mings and Conza. Conza, Ozzy Conza. Yeah. And, and they were really good. Really, really tight, really compact. Louise and McCamber in midfield. So Villa could Villa could cause an upset. There's there's no there's no uh, getting against that. But I think Pep will do what he did last season against Chelsea. Hopefully it's a better game than that because it was tragic. 
and play a really strong team. We, well, we know Pep's going to go full strength in it. That, that's what I want to ask you. In terms of lineup, we know that Amrik Laporte is out after the injury yeah. that he suffered in Madrid. But just quickly on, on the lineup, with obviously Sheffield Wednesday in the cup to come, but then yeah. back to back, United at Old Trafford, and then the second leg against Real Madrid. Mm. What? How do you think he's going to play it? You say he's going to play a strong lineup, but given those games coming up, can he can he afford to go whole hog? Yeah, yeah, because this is a bigger game than the Sheffield Wednesday game, which comes after it. It just is because it's a cup final. But it's only a week then until the derby. Yeah, yeah. But this is this is where you play your full team. I'm pretty certain he'll play Edison. Well, obviously he's not played so far in the competition, has he? No, it's been no, Bravo all, Bravo the, way all the way through. But again, like last year, you play Edison in the final if if he sees fit. Um, and I think the rest of it will be full strength. Foden didn't get a look in in those two games uh, in the semi-final. Uh, and I think I think the strongest team is available to him. He'll play. I think I'd love to see Eric Garcia start the game. He won't. Um, well, it'll be Fernandinho and Otamendi at the back. Uh, Can- Cancelo might play. He's played in a lot of the, the competition so far. Left-back's up for debate. Uh, whether Mendy will be I think he'll play Zinchenko I, yeah I think Zinchenko yeah. will probably start your midfield's going to be Gundogan he might go a bit more attacking than he has been recently I don't know whether he'll play Rodri in it I'm not sure Depends. is there a need for Rodri and Gundogan against Villa I'd be surprised if he doesn't not. play David Silva yeah I think Silva starts both Silvers will start Sterling Aguero and Mares probably in terms of Villa obviously oh, De Bruyne I forgot about him He's quite good. <laughs> I, I've, heard he, I've, heard he's, yeah. I've heard he's decent. He's quite good. In terms of Villa, obviously, as Adam mentioned, Grealish is the one that all the attention is going to be on. He's been excellent for them, mm. not just in the cup, but in, in the Premier League so far this season. And the type of performance that Adam is saying he needs to needs to bring in, of that he drags them along, he, he has shown a few times this season. Yeah, when they've needed yeah. a big goal off him or a big performance, he's done it. This is completely different. This is at Wembley against the, 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 the holders and the current defending Premier League champions, as it stands this is a different kettle of fish for him and the way Villa set up will decide whether he's able to do that or not do you think Villa needs to learn a lesson of how sides have played against City this season and look to kind of play to the strengths that they've got rather than try to be too cagey and hope they don't get picked off yeah yeah I think well their strengths are get Grealish on the ball yeah. as much as possible and try and get runners around him um, and Grealish has got a sort of like temperament where these sort of fixtures probably suit him because he's got that like it's fiery. bit of arrogance about him yeah. mm-hmm. and he's, he's very swagger. very confident and he's got that swagger yeah he'll love that this is at Wembley and he'll relish it yeah and he'll, he'll have wing backs playing off him that's why they've, they've done so well in the competition they've played these wing backs and they run off Grealish and it gives him some room I think the thing that is in Villa's favour and Grealish's favour there's no pressure on Villa on Sunday absolutely none but, fan, ton, but tons on City. There's loads on City. Everything is on City. And if, if Villa can play on that, on the pressure that's on City, and just enjoy themselves, and if Grealish can get that cockiness about him, then they'll cause City a lot of problems, because defensively, we, we still know City, apart from in that Madrid game where they were almost perfect defensively, they will struggle if, if you get at them, and Real Madrid didn't get at City. So there's, there's a lot going for Villa for the final, but if City play the right way and go at Villa, then it could be comfortable. But I'm not confident that it'll be comfortable on Sunday as a City fan. And I'm not just saying that for just to cover myself. I don't think it'll be as comfortable as some people have said and written. I think if if Villa can stifle us early on and we struggle to score in the first half, then it, it could get quite nervy. 
Jay, now I'm pretty sure you'll have your Muller 1990s retro Aston Villa shirt freshly I was ironed. Final when they fresh- beat us, when they've <laughs> opened the league cup, stops us doing the domestic travel. Fre- uh, freshly ironed and on for this game at the weekend. We've kind of heard a bit of a case for Villa, and, and obviously it's heavily weighted on Grealish. If they pack the midfield behind him, Douglas Louise, Marvis Nakamba, Conor Harrahan, and let him just say, you go and drive up the pitch, get up with, with uh, Mbwana Samata, and see if he can get us a goal. Given the fact there's no Laporte, Fernandinho's been good, but he's been exposed against pace. Otamendi, we still don't know really what can happen to him under the high ball. Do, is there a case, or are we just spinning the wheels here? Is there a case that Villa can get something? You as the staunch neutral that you are. I mean, yeah, Grealish is a talent, and as, I, was, I think the said he played well, but there's just... He was very good. There's just so few options around him. I mean, you're naming that players Arkeezy for Sitter, and you've got all these match winners, and you went, oh, I almost forgot about De Bruyne. <laughs> you know, I don't know you are, you've been a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but you almost did, because you're naming all the other players. You're saying, oh, you know, he's got to start David Silva, and it's like... Pep's got so many options and attacking options as well where with Villa it's all about Grealish and now he is a good player and in many ways it reminds me I was just looking there it reminds me of the 2015 FA Cup final when they played Arsenal it was like he was like this youngster and it was like he'd had a great run and it was all about Grealish and, and Arsenal just blew him apart because Arsenal had all these other players they could rely on the likes of Walcott when he was good and Sanchez when he was good as well um, and Giroud and the rest of it and Villa just had Grealish and it's yeah. like the same now and I think that's the only problem just a problem. few years on yeah I think if there was even one other player where I think City might be scared of then yeah there's a conversation there but I don't see it and I think the over-reliant on just that one player when City have got so many other options yes City are vulnerable at the back but Villa aren't exactly solid and when you've got the likes of De Bruyne you've got Jesus or you've got Sterling or whoever he decides to pick he's going to have at least four match winners there to Villa's one I just can't see anything unfortunately past a, a City win we have said that the pressure's on City but this team is so experienced especially in cup finals exactly they, you know you played talk about in cup- City and pressure and any team that's constantly constantly winning trophies yeah. constantly in cup finals it's almost like another game to them yeah. and it's he'll, not, he'll it's put not out, an occasion anymore he'll put out know. a team that has pretty much played in a cup final together as well, you, you've just been to the Bernabeu and won as well. It's like, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's come it, a good it's time. almost like an anti-climax. This, it's and, like, and Sam Lee always says when he's on that because always the question comes up: Oh, what about if City get complacent? They don't. They, he doesn't let them be complacent in these games, and we've we've seen in him, these games. But that's been an issue in the league this season. Yeah, but I think in these games going into the final, he'll play a really strong team and. There's there's no danger from my point of view that City will get complacent and think this is already won. They'll go out win it. If they play any anywhere near as well as they did on Wednesday night, obviously it'll be a different uh, formation and a different eleven. Then it it should just be won. Right, I think I know the way this is going to go. But Jack, I'll go with you first. The uh, energy drinks bragging rights. Who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna be drinking? Delicious Carabao energy drink uh, full time, and who's gonna be drinking? I don't know milk. <laughs> milk. Um, I think. City I'd probably fair milk I think City will win but I quite like Carabao really? it's actually yeah, alright yeah, 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 it's yeah, alright yeah. Right. I mean I'm not I'm not slagging off I'm just not an energy drink I'm, I'm, I don't have a whole I don't have an energy drink in the race really <laughs> <laughs> I think City I think City will win but um, not by not by a massive score not like the FA Cup final last year Will Grealish score? I think you want me to say yes so I'll say I hope yeah. I- <laughs> uh, Jay would you follow that? do you see just any case for Villa? And Mr. Grealish? No, I'm sort of on the same page. I think, but although I think it'll be slightly bigger win for City, I can see it being something like a 4 1. I can see Villa maybe, maybe even getting the first goal and City thinking, right, that's enough of this yeah. and just turning it on. And I think Pep's got that 
almost like that little bit of anger towards it to, uh, at the minute. It's like he's a bit annoyed at certain, certain things and the narrative and obviously FFP stuff and all that. And I think he will, he'll have a little bit of a point to prove that just to remind everyone of what City are capable of, if they need reminding. 2-1 City, City to go two up and then uh, Villa to score quite late on and make it semi-interesting. Okay, one quick last story that's been doing the rounds in uh, the UK media in the last couple of days. Obviously, the growth of coronavirus is affecting sporting events all over Europe. And there's a growing concern that it could start to affect the Premier League. We could see games being postponed and potentially even the Premier League season being delayed or moved into the summer, depending on obviously how events unfold. Now, we have to obviously tread carefully with a subject like this because it's still developing and we still don't really know exactly what the impact will be. But given the fact that we're probably going to see a couple of games postponed at least, you would you would assume, in the coming weeks, and the fact that that could expand to the Premier League being postponed or even abandoned, what sort of an effect is that going to have in terms of moving into the summer? Then we've got an international tournament and the backlog and then kicking on into next season. Yeah, I don't, I don't, think, it's, I don't think the Premier League season is under threat. But as you say, the kind of knock-on effect it'll have for the Euros is, is the bigger worry if, if games were to were to be postponed. Um, I don't know how you kind of recalibrate recal- the, the summer because there's barely any... Would there's you, not would much you, of a gap. There's only a no, three-week gap yeah. as it stands. Would you then have to kind of start next season late? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Well, I guess. I, one of the initial reports like has the, said they'll move the league on another two weeks and then they would look to basically say to international sides to cancel friendly games before the Euros in order to play. It, w- it would be a mess uh, if it was to potentially I, come I to I think, it. though, if we're talking about the Premier League being delayed or whatever it becomes, then it's a, it's a totally bigger picture for the Euros. The Euros, at the moment, is probably under a lot more threat than the Premier League itself because of how it's been organised that it's all over the all over the continent yeah. nine different cities which, which is a, a much bigger problem than trying to play games just in one country where if worst comes to worst I think and I am no expert they could just play them behind closed doors worst case scenario Premier League games which would be a nightmare for Sky and everything else but they're not going to postpone them for two weeks because of this this thing no. it's not going to go if, if it if worst happens and hopefully we don't see any of it then it's it's not just going to be oh we'll just move them back two weeks it'll all be okay it's going to be more of an issue than that and the Euros is in is in real danger what what was what were you away for saying today or FIFA that you, it's you, a political your wafer statement is basically we, we will pass this over to be a political decision that gets made because as it stands they will obviously overrule and it's it's the same in the UK we, we obviously saw the situation in Italy last weekend where four Serie A games were suspended mm-hmm. the likelihood is there's going to be a couple in La Liga this weekend El Clasico's potentially going to be postponed on Sunday night given the way that it's going Jay the likelihood, as Adam said, is probably behind closed doors will be the first step and then moving forward, there's a potential for postponements or cancellations. And as Adam said, Euro 2020 is the, is the bigger concern due to the fact that it's spread all over the continent. But this has got the potential to, to disrupt a lot of games and potentially eat into next season. I know obviously we have to be aware that it is only football that we're talking about and this is obviously a, a global issue that we're all concerned with. But this could have the potential to potentially wreck next season. Yeah, I mean it's it's bigger than football. Obviously, you know it's very serious. And in terms of sport, you're looking at the Olympics as well. It can affect that. Um, and I just think you just got to err on the side of caution, whatever that is. I mean, you know, yes, we all love football and we're all passionate about it. But if the people are at risk, then 
postpone the game. Do whatever you do. You know, we had that situation, didn't we, when we had Odin Nogalo, who was in this sort of quarantine in inverted commas when he came. So he was like, oh, he's not been allowed to train with the squad. He's training in a in in um, a gym or a, a a sort of sports center. Yeah. But that baffled me because the sports center is still full of people. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, oh, as long as he's not going near the United mm. players, he's okay. But we can, we can affect these <clears throat> citizens. No, no one cares about these kids doing taekwondo. They'll be all right. But <laughs> it's like, you know, you have to just do whatever is necessary yeah. to keep everyone safe because, <laughs> you know, I'm, it's say this, but it's only football, yeah. you know, yeah. and we can play these games further down the line and the season yeah. will continue in whatever way we have to do it. We'll work it out. Let's not put people the, at risk of dying. There's no precedent to this other than no. probably the world wars where where you're thinking, like, what what do you do? There's there's no planning that can be done at the moment because no one knows what's going to happen. Obviously, there'll be people at the top planning potential things that could happen. But who knows going into the summer if it eats into the Euros and then you're talking long term. But Jay's, Jay's right with the with that line of it. This is only football, and this this issue is so much bigger and worse than anything that could happen. Well, God forbid that City can't play Liverpool in in April. It's like it probably doesn't. Rem- if if it got to that, it really doesn't matter. Logistics and just say right, what is. For the best, you know, for, for, for the supporters best. and How for public we, safety. Know, are people at risk? If the answer is yes, then we move heaven and earth to make sure they're not. Well, that's, I, it's I, that simple for I me. completely agree with you, but I don't have the trust in... No, no, no yeah, no, you're right. I think that's what should happen. I don't necessarily think it is what will. Because, because it wouldn't it wouldn't impact it in that sense. Yeah. Well, obviously, this is a story that's, that's going to run and run in the coming weeks. We'll probably be talking about it on next week's podcast. That's all for today on the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Preview Show. Thanks to Adam... Thank you. Jay. Thanks for having us again. And Jack. Thanks very much. Great stuff. And don't forget, every single day we have a Premier League podcast for you. Simply hit like or hit subscribe. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Acast, anywhere you listen to your podcast will be right there. And you can also get the latest on your own team. Simply ask your Alexa device to enable sports social, select your team, follow the instructions, and you'll be right up to date. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again very soon. Football Social Daily with German gourmet doner kebabs made with our signature sauces. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.